this Christmas story given to us here in these scriptures, it's a simple story. And we've heard it so many, many times. But it seems that too often, though many of us are seasoned Christians, as we get about the rush of the holiday season, as we're doing even now, the buying of gifts and the family gatherings and traveling to and fro, the precious truths about this birth of the Lord Jesus, they do somehow get moved to the background in favor of all the things that we're doing, all the more demanding things that we're doing in the family. For us today, though, for us today, I want us to pause in our thinking and move this precious story that we'll talk about back to the foreground just for a while where it should be on a day like this. And we can remember all over again the real reason, the real reason that we celebrate Christmas. Listen to these words, simple words, blessed words. These are from the book of Luke, chapter 1 and also chapter 2, beginning in verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will be with child, and you will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. But how will this be, Mary said, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Delightful words. As I read these words about the birth of the baby Jesus, And I think about the reality of what his birth really means. I can't help but have pangs of grief for the loss that our modern culture is suffering as they allow these simple but profound truths to be pushed aside in favor of those more believable stories about Christmas. These simple words found here in these scriptures They do sound quite impossible. 
don't they? They sound unbelievable, even fable-like. An angel coming to speak to a young virgin girl about having a baby, telling her that it's going to be God himself who will cause her to conceive that child. As we know, the media voices that we hear daily across our airways at this time of year, they don't go to great extents to distract us, distract our attention away from this story. They don't often deny the Lord Jesus was born, but they do insert cleverly devised words that often will suggest an alternative. And in the end, this precious story of this birth of the Lord Jesus seems to get lost, especially within all the other Christmas stories that are being told, the ones that are more fanciful about Santa Claus. And I confess that I have told stories about Santa Claus often in my life, but also about elves. Elves are a fascination these days in the media. Also stories about Ebenezer Scrooge and other stories like that. But in the midst of it all, you and I need to take warning and guard ourselves carefully so that we as believers are not led astray in our faith by all of those alternatives. Because the reality of all that is taking place is that all of their efforts to distract us, and listen carefully, all those efforts that are being made to distract us from the truth and to discredit and to deny the truths that are given here in these scriptures. It's not by accident. It's not by accident, folks. They, they give these alternatives, perhaps not intentionally trying to distract us from the real story that's taking place within these scriptures, but they do it nonetheless. And why? Why would they do that? Why would the world want to distract us from the truth of these scriptures? Why would it be that men and women across our world seek so determinedly to deny the truths of these words about the Lord Jesus? Listen, it's for one very special reason. It's because somehow down deep inside, the Holy Spirit makes them to know that if they do accept these few simple words about the birth of the Lord Jesus, that they'll also have to accept all of those other words that are given to us in these scriptures. And they can't allow that to take place because those other words in this Bible tell them that they will be held accountable for all of their many actions and behaviors. And no person wants to do that. No person wants to be accountable for their behaviors in this life. It's all a part of a a battle that the Apostle Paul spoke about in Romans chapter 7. It's a hard-fought battle within the soul and with the spirit of a person. It's a battle to win us away from the salvation that Christ offers us and instead to substitute a pathway that leads, as the Lord Jesus said, to destruction. It all begins here, though. It all begins here. We can only believe these simple truths about this little baby then a whole world of wonder then will open up in front of us. A whole new and different form of reality. Most of us have become so accustomed to the kind of reality that we live in. One that's so filled with turmoil and strife and distrust and disagreement and discord that we think that that's real life. And we'll often say that to people. But it isn't. It isn't. This dark and difficult 
daily lifestyle. It's a counterfeit. A counterfeit that Satan supplies to us each day. Listen, real reality is what God promises to us. And for those of us who have the Lord Jesus deep within our hearts, we understand this. The real reality that the Lord Jesus promises and gives to us is one of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Attributes that are not at all present within our society today with all of its strife and all of its struggling. And the Lord Jesus wants us to know that that is not reality. This is reality. One that He will offer to us and give to us. That of love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. All of those attributes of the Holy Spirit. And all of it can be ours. But listen, only if and to the degree that we, by faith, accept and believe these truths that we're reading here. And belief begins here with simple words like these about the birth of the Lord Jesus. But as we know, and I am witness to this, belief, even simple belief, it's not an easy assignment. You'll hear these words and you'll say, yes, I believe them, but you'll walk out this door today and that counterfeit reality will start to take control of whatever you're doing. And belief then becomes a struggle. But even for us in our quiet times, belief is not a simple assignment. It's because God is not logical, as you and I perceive logic to be. And the way He does things is not often logical. We want Him to follow a path that we would think He should follow. This account here of an angel visiting Mary and Mary conceiving a child while still being a virgin, that's not logical. That doesn't fit our intellectual thinking. We want so badly for God to fit himself into our more natural sense of rationale. But folks, he won't. He won't and he can't because God is not natural like we are. God is supernatural. He transcends this natural existence and this natural rationale that we want so badly to make sense to us. And I'm sure that if you've listened, you've heard all the many explanations that are being offered by the secular media this time of each year attempting to explain the occurrences of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus And they try to do that with natural and logical sounding explanations. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It can't be done. A lot of people do satisfy themselves with that. But we who know Christ, we know that it doesn't work the way they try to explain it to us. And folks, for you and me personally, you and I must never try to bring who God is and what He does down to our own level of thinking. We really must accept His truth just as it's being given to us in these scriptures. But let me warn both you and me that that can be done only through faith and not by intellectual effort. Faith is the one and the only special equipping that God gives to you and to me to enable us to truly comprehend the impossible, to truly comprehend the unbelievable supernatural things that He does. And it's simple faith, simple faith, simply believing. And it all begins right here with the virgin birth 
of the Lord Jesus. An impossible, incomprehensible, supernatural thing. Notice in those verses that I just read, they clearly state that Mary was a virgin. Is it important that Mary be a virgin? That point is argued in many churches today, and it should not be. Is it important that Mary be a virgin? Yes, yes, it is so very, very important for many reasons. Two of them being, one, that there can be no doubt that God the Father, God Himself, is the Father of this baby Jesus. And then secondly, Mary needed to be a virgin so that there could be no possibility that the sin nature could be passed on to Jesus through the seed of a common man. Folks, if that had been so, Christ would not have been able to be the spotless Lamb of God that He was. Christ was this spotless Lamb of God without stain, wrinkle, or blemish. Utterly perfect in every way. And it was because He was perfect that He was able then to be your and my acceptable sacrifice. If he'd had one sin within him, he would have had to die for his own sin and not for ours. And so it's so very important that he would not have any sin nature at all passed along to him through the seed of a common man. So very important. Christ was this spotless Lamb of God. He had no sin nature. And because of that, you and I can be saved through his sacrifice. So Mary was truly a virgin. And and listen, though that question is debated regularly, even in some of our liberal seminaries today, regrettably so, but please, please, don't ever let anyone debate that question with you or give you any cause to wonder about it because we're told there clearly in verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. All of this is a mystery. Yes, it's a mystery, and it's for one excellent reason. And that's because mystery demands faith. Mystery demands faith. If you already know something, if you already have something, you don't have to ask for it or learn about it. Mystery demands faith. As we're being bombarded, and we are daily, with secular denial that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, You and I really do need to hold fast to our faith. This little baby child whose birth is being celebrated now truly did grow to be the Savior of all mankind. And He began it all. There's a little baby 2,000 years ago in that stable. And again, as we read these blessed truths, our faith is so very, very important. And I want to keep emphasizing that. Faith is the only avenue through which these truths can flow into our hearts and our souls and it can become a reality to you and me. The Lord tells us without faith, we cannot please God. And so as we look at this mystery of the birth of Christ, we need to remember and truly appreciate that our simple faith is the key that opens the door to this mystery. So as you sit there and you try to digest some of the things that I'm saying, I want to say again, it is through faith that you're able to truly understand the words that I'm saying to you. Listen again, these words. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I love the way that the Holy Spirit gives these truths to us. And he wrote all of the scriptures. I love the way that the Holy Spirit gave these scriptures to us. If you'll notice here in these words, they immediately presume that we who read these words have faith. That we truly believe that there truly is a God and that he is personally involved in the things that are taking place here on this earth. And that he's carrying forward a plan that will result in the salvation of untold millions of people. And this portion of the plan involves an angel and it involves a simple virgin girl. Again, it requires faith in God to believe that there is even such a thing as angels. And here the angel Gabriel brings the most important message that mankind will ever receive. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and you will be with child and you'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. But how will this be? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. And then there was a, an angel meeting also with Joseph. And he was saying some of the similar words to Joseph. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Folks, these are some of the most profoundly wonderful truths that we've ever heard. Truths that define an ageless eternity that you and I will be able to enjoy because of what he, this baby, will grow to be the Savior of all mankind. And those are the words that that angel said to Joseph, this baby, he will be the one who saves us from our sins. Wonderful words. And now that truth is a reality for you and me. And the only part of that plan, the only part of that plan that God requires of you and me is that we, with all of our heart, join with the Lord Jesus in that salvation that he has brought to this world. In the book of John, chapter 1, we're told there, he says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you done that? Have you done these two things in your life? Have you believed and have you received him? It's one thing to believe in him, but folks, we must also receive him. It's as simple as that. In Acts chapter 4, Speaking of the Lord Jesus, we're told there that salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name given under heaven by which man can be saved. No other name. Oh, in this generation of so many religions, we're being told by the gurus of religion like Oprah Winfrey that there are many paths to salvation. Folks, don't. Listen to that and don't believe that. 
Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which you must be saved. And then listen to these words. Beautiful words. This is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Those are simple words, but they are absolute truth. There is no other pathway into God's eternity into heaven. Listen again. This is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You and I are not going to get there any other way except through Christ. Folks, praise be to God. This is the real story, the real reality of Christmas. This little baby that was born there in that stable, he would grow and he would become the Savior to us all, to anyone who calls upon his name. And praise be to God for that. We'll pause now and give our hearts over to a time of communion with the Lord. But before we do that, may I ask each of us to examine our hearts carefully and to make sure that we truly have done this, that we truly have received the Lord Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Have you done that? Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness, and you've done that through your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for that. And now as we spend this time in communion, oh, Father... We pray, seal us with your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.